everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Unlocking Potential. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and today we have a fascinating discussion lined up uh, brought to you by Baldwin Technologies. Today, uh, we've gathered an exceptional panel of industry experts to tackle the topic of paper shortages. So we're diving deep into the lessons learned and just how we can prepare for the future. Our guests today include Tony McCulkin, who's senior editor at Printing United, as well as Kent Tucker, vice president of Tucker Castleberry and Julie Brannon, Director of Regional Sales at Monadnock Paper Mills. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Uh, Let's take a quick moment for our audience and just give a brief bio of name and industry and just a little bit of your experience and how it'll lend itself to the conversation at hand today. Well, we'll start with you today, Tony. Uh, Sure. So as you said, um, my name is Tony McQuilkin, and I am the senior editor for Printing United. Uh, I have actually been covering the print and graphics industry as a journalist for closing in on 25 years. Uh, So I've been doing this a very long time. Uh, I am kind of the staff generalist. So uh, I work across all of our publications, across all segments of the print industry. So I bring kind of a wide view of uh, commercial wide format implants, uh, packaging, and, and I can kind of speak to all of those different segments and how they are experiencing paper shortages. Fantastic. And Kent. Yeah, Kent Tucker with Tucker Castleberry. I'm vice president. Uh, I've been in, in the industry for about 30 years. Um, we're a 75-year-old family-owned printing company. So with that, I wear a lot of hats. So um, obviously, we've, we've been in business for 75 years, so we've kind of seen it all. But um, the paper shortage for the last 24, 30 months was something new for us. So um, hopefully I can add some color to the unique challenges from the, uh, from the printer side. Absolutely. And Julie. Yes. Hello. I'm Julie Brannon. As mentioned, I wear a few roles at Monadnock. Monadnock is a 206 year old paper mill. So the oldest privately operating paper mill in the United States. And I have been in the industry like Kent about a, about a million years, no, about 30 years. Uh, 15 years on the print side and 15 years now on the paper packaging fiber-based side of the industry. Well, thank you everyone for sharing a little bit of your background. Welcome. We're glad to have you on today's podcast. We're going to start off with a major question here, which we're just, what were some of the primary reasons that you believe attributed to the recent paper shortages and just how did the supply chain disruptions uh, contribute to this issue? I guess I'll jump in first (laughs) since, um, you know, for me, like I said, I I come at it from a very 30,000 foot level um, and and from the various printers that I talk to across all of the industry segments. And it seems like there were a few different factors that really contributed to the shortages. Um, One, there have been a lot of paper mill closures over the last few years, Um, whether it is just shuttering capacity completely or it was changing over, we saw, especially on the commercial side, um, there were a lot of mills that shifted from commercial grade papers into packaging, into toilet paper, uh, into paper towels, um, that they've just been shifting their production into uh, other types of paper. And so I think that really contributed to it. Uh, And then you had events like strikes. There were several strikes, especially in the European paper market. Um, where it just completely shut down production. So not only did we have closures, but we had capacity issues uh, because of those those mills that just couldn't couldn't produce, couldn't ship. Uh, so I think those were probably not the only factors, but they were definitely some some major contributing factors. 
Does anyone else have any other additional perspectives to that? Yeah, I might add this perspective. I mean, I think that the supply chain crisis during COVID, post-COVID, really shined a light on what our buying habits have been over the last, I'll, I'll say, at least decade. From a paper mills perspective, frankly, none of the mills were prepared for the amount of purchasing and um, that the companies were looking for. Historically, especially over the last 10 years, there's been um, our industry has relied heavily on offshore grades. Um, as a result, uh, Tony mentioned the closures, or I'll call it consolidation of the industry. Um, paper mills have seen year over year drop after drop in, in actual fine papers or coded pre sheet papers. Um, it simply costs more to manufacture here in the United States than it does overseas, certainly Asia. Um, we've become, as a nation, very dependent upon those supply chains. So I believe during COVID, um, the shipping crisis, the lack of containers, all of a sudden everyone needed to rely on their domestic sources the way that they have not been relying on them historically over the last 10 or one to two decades, and no one was prepared for it, is my take on what we were experiencing as a mill. So all of a sudden, um, there were so many folks here in the U.S. that we're all we're interested in domestic sources, but it's not something that mills could have predicted. Therefore, Tony, which is why you see them switching over to packaging. In our case, we're very diversified. We have over 300 product lines that represent paper or board or wall covering, or most of all replacements for plastics. So uh, a little challenging for mills. Who, mills have had to diversify in order to stay alive. Um, and I think it's been an interesting lesson. I think it really shined a light on how much of, how extensive our dependence was in overseas imports. And probably we need to right size that and balance a little bit. And Kent. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we um, we do, I'd say 95% of everything we do is on a coated sheet. And so the coated domestic mills are almost non-existent, non-existent at this point. So. As as far as our uh, supply supply chain issues, it really it really had to do with overseas mills, and I, I know like the strikes, and they even had some uh, they even had some energy issues in Europe that affected it. And then throw on top of that the uh, the shipping. The, the The hard part was then they would make it in Europe, and then or even Asia, and then it would take you know twelve to sixteen months just to get it you know across across the across the pond to to us, and then. Once it even got here, then the ships were sitting at port for for weeks at a time, and it just it was a uh, it just it, it it exacerbated the whole the whole supply chain issue. Well, how do you think the current state of the supply chain has factored into this right now? How has that affected things? Well, from our standpoint, it, it's it's definitely uh, been alleviated the, the the strain on the supply chain. We we are not having any issues getting paper at the moment, um, which is which is a far cry from where we were this time last year. Um, so we, we've had to be nimble. Um, our customers have had to be flexible. So sometimes they've had to, you know, over the last year, switch out from a certain grade or certain weight or whatever it may be uh, to something that we could get. But currently we are, we are really not having any trouble getting just a, 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 a typical house sheet in any size, weight, whatever. Um, now I will say, and, 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 you know, I will say some of the some of the mills have consolidated their offerings as far as you know they used to make a 120 pound silk cover you know in all various different sizes those some of those seem to be kind of harder to get sometimes um, or they've stopped making them but they uh, but as far as our our everyday paper that we use for 95 percent of our work 
um, has has really um, has really been able. We've been able to get it a lot easier than we would uh, last year at this time. Let's talk a little bit about demand. How, what kind of explanation is there in terms of increased demand, both regionally and globally? What kind of role has that played in the paper short paper shortage overall? I mean, I think that it, it's been interesting to watch. I think during the height of the pandemic, the demand changed. So you went from, you know, your all of the travel, hospitality, you know, all of the papers and, and substrates that would have been used to produce all of those, the bottom fell out because nobody could use any of those. Whereas on the flip side, things like direct mail, um, things that were mailers that were being shipped out to people. Um, vinyls were a big one uh, because now all of a sudden people needed to create floor graphics to stand six feet apart. Um, so I think it really, demand just, I don't think it went up or down. It just had a major shift to the left as to what was being demanded. And now as we're pulling out, we're starting to see a little bit more of that, you know, quote unquote, right sizing. Um, the, the the demand is starting to equal out again back to where it was. And, and on top of that, even it, it wasn't necessarily demand. Our demand is usually uh, uh, generated by our customers, but we started generating the demand because we were so nervous about not being able to get our hands on something. So all of a sudden, you know, a half a container of, of 10 point C1S may come into one of our merchants and we would buy it just because it was available. Do we use a lot of 10 point C1S? No, but you never know when you might need it. So we were buying as much paper as humanly possible. So I think that the, the versus our end user creating the demand, the printers started creating a lot of that demand just by, you know, the, the fear of not being able to get paper. And, and truthfully, we still have, uh, you know, our inventory is way down from where it was, but we still have, almost 7 million sheets of paper on our floor um, that's been, you know, been in our inventory for about a year um, that, you know, we're slowly working through, but, um, but yeah, we, uh, us and a lot of other printers, we, we got scared to death because we can't do a whole lot of printing without paper. So we bought as much as we could and uh, hopefully as much as we were thinking we needed. And of course we overbought as did most other printers. So we started creating the demand that necessarily wasn't there from the marketplace. You know, and it's interesting because I actually just recently saw a study that said that during the height of the pandemic, the demand from printers for additional paper was somewhere in the vicinity of an additional 2 million tons of, of just excess capacity. And right now we're still sitting at about half that still in the market today from exactly that, that, you know, so many people had so much excess capacity that they're running through it and it's going down. <laughs> but there's still quite a bit of it out there. And that's what makes the demand really hard to map to answer your questions, Gabrielle. I mean, right now is budget season. So for a paper mill right now, we are expected to estimate or forecast usage from our print market for every month of 2024. That's a daunting task, especially when you can't go by the last three years. Basically last year was not sustainable, it was unheard of. It was a false demand as, as he just mentioned. And then before that you had COVID where everything, lots of industries were at a screeching halt. So the best we can play on when we go to forecast demands, which is an important part of right-sizing the industry, we're having to look back three years and we're having to work at something new. So I will say though, what I have seen is a large, a lot of major brands, or I shouldn't say a lot, that's vague. 
a significant amount of major brands never really thought twice about paper before, unless they were seeking something specialty, unusual, or recycled where we play. Now they're thinking about it. They didn't care before, but now they do as a result of what happened over the past year. So we are seeing an exorbitant amount of people that now understand why they were getting what they were getting for said price, if you will, from overseas. If the overseas supply chain dependence to an excess level has made them very nervous. So now I am seeing as a paper mill more brands that don't want to put all eggs in that basket that are taking a more active role in what they source for substrates. And they're mostly insistent that they also have a domestic supply chain as well. So in a way that's been good. It's just still really, really difficult to, for what Ms. Castleberry or what Tucker just explained, it's very difficult when the printers, some are out, some are halfway through their inventory. So it still remains to be a big challenge to forecast. And that's what it's gonna take long-term to right size it as forecast. So we don't end up in that situation over again. Well, moving on to speak about challenges, what have you seen uh, in terms of consequences for those businesses that are just heavily reliant on printed materials? How has the paper shortage affected them and what ways and why? Well, they've certainly had to pay some more money, I would guess, because to his point, <laughs> so now you have a big changeover in America. The coated mills, for example, are moving their machinery to packaging. So you have very few coated players. I happen to be a mill, um, although albeit ours is specialty, we play in coated and uncoated substrates. And there's there's not a lot that do that. Um, so in order to maintain every thickness, he mentioned 120 pound cover, I can speak for our mill. We are trying to represent every product that we make in terms of those that we were uh, committed to stocking, if you will. So what that means for me to have every basis weight, there can only be one or two sizes per basis weight. There can no longer be five different sizes per basis weight. It's, it, it's not manageable and it's not sustainable. So in our case, we pick the largest size and then we pick a digital size. And those are primarily especially absent of forecasts that you can depend upon from a customer. So you have fewer offerings, in other words, and paper is sold by the pound. So every square inch of paper, you know, if it's not necessary, besides there being a carbon footprint to it, then you're also paying for that every square inch. But it's really the only thing we can do right now um, in order to maintain supplies for everyone in each option. I've actually seen that from, from all of the various... Um you know, mills that I've spoken to, you know, you're, you're not alone in that because all of the paper manufacturers I've talked to, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic said that that was one of the things they had to do was trim the number of offerings that, that they were consolidating into. They looked at their top five, their top 10, you know, their top, whatever number of, of papers that they sell in terms of weight and size and everything else got left behind. So you know, most people were going to be able to, you know, find what they're looking for going forward. But for those jobs or, or those customers that had those very specific, you know, weights or, or paper types that they wanted that were specialty, I think that's going to be harder to get and it's going to be more expensive. Um, that's the other thing that I've, I've seen with most printers that I've talked to is that for the most part, they held off raising prices for as long as humanly possible. And it just has gotten to the point where they can't anymore. So the end users, the brands are going to start feeling it more because printers just don't have a choice. 
Right. And I'll tell you, we, we've begged for flexibility from our customers, especially over the last couple of years. And, and, and it may be, you know, it may be a different brand. I, I have one client who expect a certain brand of 120 pound silk cover for every job for the last 10 years and 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 the mill no longer makes it so we've had to uh we've had to switch brands and and even from coated to uncoated um i bought paper in uh in april of last year for a big job it was about it's about 25 tons of paper and it was on they, they've always printed it on a, a a silk text and the paper didn't come in and their publication was ready. So we, we had to pivot and go to a, a, an uncoated sheet um, because it was available. And of course, they, but luckily they loved it. And, and this year they're reprinting it uh, on a uh, uncoated sheet again. But really from our, from our standpoint, we just have to, we, we've even put a, a little disclaimer on the bottom of our quotes that just because we quoted this sheet doesn't mean it's going to be available at the time, um, you know, when you, when you send the purchase order in the file. So we've really just begged. Um, you know, it's educating the client as far as begging them for flexibility is, you know, and, and luckily we, we have, we've got a great set of clients and they have all been very flexible and willing to work with us and, you know, maybe going from hundred pound down to 80 pound or whatever. It's just, but they've, they've remained flexible. And I think, I think they're still going to have to remain flexible. Um, you know, like, like Julie said, I mean, if I'm used to buying something in a 2335 and then all of a sudden Monadnock stops making it in 2335 and I've got to buy. I, in 2640, you know, it is what it is. It's either that it's take, it's kind of a take it or leave it. So, um, so yeah, we, we just beg for flexibility from our clients. I mean, that's an example of what he did, what Ken just said. Okay. So 120 pounds silk cover. Like we happen to be a mill who makes stocks and carries that, but very likely what he's been purchasing has been more on the commodity side of sheep over the years, not especially sheep. Mine happens to be 100% post-consumer recycled. You can't tell that it's recycled, but it has a different price tag with it. So could he still get that for someone? Yes. But if he were sequestering my sheet, he'd have to pay a little more because it's a specialty sheet. So the answers could be, I mean, I'm mill on here today. The answers can be very different for a specialty mill versus a commodity mill, but there is a solution, um, but it's going to take retraining. And, you know, just because I may not, can't stock every size sheet moving forward, if I know jobs are incoming, if we have a repeat business program with someone where they're using our product, will we make ahead of time and stock that paper on the floor ready for that uh, job to be taken or issue a PO in advance that we make and keep it there until you're ready for it? Yeah, there's all sorts of ways around it, but there's no avoiding what he said, which is flexibility. And most important is foresight and planning. If customers can do that, they can pretty much have what they were used to having. They just can't expect that it's gonna automatically be sitting there. Awesome, well, that wraps up the conversation. So thank you to Tony, Ken, and Julie for joining us on this episode of Unlocking Potential to discuss paper shortages, lessons learned, and preparing for the future. It was a pleasure to have you all on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yes. Absolutely. And as always, if you'd like to learn more, please visit baldwintech.com and look for this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts at. I've been your host, Gabrielle. Thanks for tuning in.